Hi, uh, welcome back to the Salt Line in the City podcast, where you are seen, you're loved, and you are heard. Um, start in prayer real fast. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, thank you for this wonderful break. Thank you for your goodness and being able to rest and knowing that rest is good. I ask that you open my mind to speak in the way you want me to and you open everyone else's hearts who listen to uh, be open to why we chose the scripture passage and why we chose your disciple St. Paul as the patron of this podcast and we pray to him St. Paul I ask that you shine your light upon us help us to see through our enclosed eyes enlighten us with your words and help us keep them close to to our hearts lead us to our strength which is him when we feel weak because his power is made perfect in weakness. Shine your light and we will follow. I ask all this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives forever and ever. Amen. St. Paul, pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So that's basically what we're going to be looking at for this bonus episode. I don't have anyone else with me. It's just me, just Enzo, um, which, by the way, that's my... Um, gamer tag and Instagram handle for a lot of things is, is just Enzo. Um, but yeah, today we're just going to be looking at why we chose Matthew 13 through 16, which is the simile of salt and light from the Sermon on the Mount, and why we chose St. Paul as the patron of this podcast. And yeah, I just got back from spring break, had a very good trip in New York. You know, spent time with my grandparents and with my brother and his girlfriend in New York City, the greatest city on earth. I, I really don't care what any of what anybody else says. Um, New York to me is just like the most human place on earth. And being there, being with everyone, just seeing how human everyone is certainly is a beautiful thing. Um, and there will be more, I'll talk a bit more about that in my experience with that and you know, how that plays into why I chose this this verse, um, or this passage, rather. So, yeah, if real quick, we'll do like a quick Lexio Divina type thing, where I'll read it multiple times. First run, Matthew five thirteen through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything, but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is sent on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so, your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. sit with that and and think about what does this mean? I mean, so often we hear, you know, this I think is one of the deluded passages in the Bible as well, just like um, from last week's iron sharpens iron. This one rather is like, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Like everyone goes around saying that, but when you look at that, what does that really mean? What does that mean to you? The 
the second time around when I read it, close your eyes and imagine you're in the scene of the Sermon on the Mount and the people surrounding you, the hard dirt below you. Maybe you're sitting down, maybe you're close to Jesus, or maybe you're at a distance and you're just standing and you're looking at him and you, and you hear him projecting his voice and just internalizing all of these things as I read it a second time. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste with what can it be seasoned, it is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. Now the second time around, what is it that Jesus said that really stands out to you? Did you see maybe a hand motion from him? Did someone around you or some, something in your brain say, oh wow, like that, that was, that was really good. I need to remember that. As I read it for a third time, imagine that it's just you and Jesus this time. Or even if it's on the Sermon on the Mount, that you're sitting right in front of him and he looks straight at you. That these words are directed to you. That they were meant for you and that's why he's saying them. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so, your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. And thinking about it this third time, what is it that Jesus said when he looks into your eyes and really sits with you? And if, if you didn't get anything from the short Lexio, then that's okay, right? And for those who don't know, Lexio Divina is just a quick um, sort of meditation with a scripture passage in the format we just did. It's read three times, and each time that it's read, it's internalized more and more in a more intimate way. Now, the way that this actually came about for the podcast was I was, I was trying to figure out uh, like what to name this thing, right? Because I've known it for so long. After, after Seek 23, shout out to the, to the Focus missionaries here on campus at UD and all of Focus. It's just so amazing. I was, I was praying, like, what should I call this? I don't, I don't know what to call it. And for a whole week, I just sat there in prayer, you know, and I, I knew two things. Two things came to me in prayer is that it had to do with light. Light was necessary. And then it had to do with acting, with taking action, you know. So some of the, some of the names in contention were like light versus darkness or like light in the darkness and like light in the darkness in Latin, 
which I think is like Luke's intinibris or something. I don't know. Luke Luke is not here to help me with that. But yeah, I was just, I was just praying and I was like, man, I don't I don't know what to call this thing. And by the end of that week during mass, this happened to be the passage for the for the gospel. That happened to be the gospel passage that weekend and praying with like knowing, okay, I'm going to name it after something to do with light. It was kind of like the first thing that really came to mind for me always when light is mentioned and in regards to the gospel, the first image that comes to mind is that bushel basket. That light is not meant to be under a bushel basket. That was another thing that I was thinking of calling it, the lampstand, not the bushel basket, <laughs> something like that. I don't know, but praying with that, that ended up being the the gospel passage for the weekend. And I went to Mass twice that weekend because my girlfriend, Alora was in town here at UD. She's currently in Austin right now. She's also somebody on the team that hopefully you guys will, in time, get to meet. And I'll have more words about that after in the announcements. But she came up and we went to Mass. And I heard this, I heard this the first time, right? And Father was explaining basically the whole passage, right? Because for one, obviously, salt gives flavor. Salt makes the bitter things more bitter, makes the sweeter things more sweeter. It opens up your tongue palate to better flavors and to, to really emphasize them and really bring them out. But at the same time, salt's also a preservative, right? Like it stops growth. It's put on, on meats, so in that way, you know, the meat doesn't go bad. It stuns the growth and it keeps things at bay. And this is what Father was explaining in the homily, is that if, if we're to be the salt of the earth, right, we give flavor. And I think this was, this was probably the more prominent message that we get from when we read this passage. is like, okay, we have to give this world flavor, which is really funny, because if you think about it, everyone is kind of against Christianity and call it, against it in that they call it boring, I've heard this so many times, right? People are like, oh, you live that time. It's like, it's so boring. There's no flavor. And I, I don't know about you, but I just couldn't disagree more because there's so many impossibilities within the realm of the faith, within the realm of the church that you just can't be like, what do you mean there's no flavor? The only reason you would say there's no flavor is because you haven't experienced that flavor. Because you haven't opened your heart in this case, like your tongue palate, you haven't opened your heart to those impossibilities that can happen. But you are called to be that salt. You are called to be the one that opens other people's hearts. But at the same time, like I said earlier, because salt stuns growth and keeps things at bay, it should make good and make better and bring out what is good but it should also stop those things that are not good. It should also stun those things that get in the way of being good. We're to be salt of the earth and that we let virtue grow and stun the worldly desires and evils that have encapsulated us today. So that, it's kind of a little look, a deeper look on Matthew 5.13. That's the first verse of the passage. The second one is your... You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden. Now, when the gospel was read, 
um, they didn't include a city set on the mountain cannot be hidden. It's so important. This was something that really stood out to me whenever I went to, to look back at the passage and read it again. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden. Well, duh, Jesus. Like, of course, it's a city on a mountain. That's what it's supposed to be, right? But here's the thing. A city set on a mountain, obviously, it's a, a bright light, right? But the main thing about it is that, for one, it was a good form of defense. It was a good form of defense because, you know, the, the aggressors would have to attack upward. But from the mountain, you looking down, you have the advantage, right? In the art of war, height is always an advantage. Always, right? Second is that the light of the city provides navigation to those wandering. So if you're trying to find a city and you're a merchant or you're a pilgrim, then you see the light of the city and you know, okay, that's where I'm supposed to go. That's where I'm supposed to be. Because here's the thing. You're called to be the light. You're called to be that city. But if your lights aren't even on, then how is anyone going to find you? You can run away. In the, you, you, you can run away if you want to. You can destroy that city. You can completely wipe it out. And you can run away in the dark from the light, but at the end of the day, you're still in the dark. Especially if the people around you aren't a light either. That's why it's so important for us to be that city on a mountain. Because that is, that's what the light of the world, the light of the world is the sun, right? That's what, like in the physical realm, the light of the sun illuminates things. So in that way, we can see the roads, the trees, cars, people for what they truly are. But a light on a mountain provides so much. It, it, it's also a symbol for hope. It's also a symbol for hope in that, yes, I'm on this journey. And if you see the mountain, if you see the city at the base of the mountain, then you're like, man, I have a long way to go, but I'm going to get there because I know that they have food. I know they have drinks, and I know there's a community there. And if you're midway up that mountain, you're like, man, I'm halfway there. I got to keep pushing. I'm going to keep pushing. And if you're just at that last mile, I'm like, man, one more mile, one more mile. Keep going. And that continues on into the lampstand. Nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It's set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Yeah, and this is probably my favorite of the whole passage, but that's what that is. That's what running away in the dark is. It's being placed under that bushel basket. And I'll admit, it's probably easier. It probably is easier to hide under that bushel basket and just be in the dark because the light, if, if you're a light, you attract so much attention, right? People are going to question you. People are going to question how how much wax you have left, how much gas you have left to keep being that light. And many times people are going to call you fake for it. But that's what verse 16 speaks of. Just so your light must shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. So what does that mean? That, that, that means if people come at you and persecute you and call you fake, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters the most is that they see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly father. That is what counts. That's what counts in this. 
Jesus doesn't mention, oh, yeah, they're going to talk bad on you, but it's okay. I mean, he does that. He takes care of that in the Beatitudes. But specifically with this and being a light, what people say, what people think, how people come at you doesn't matter. What matters is those who see your good deeds for what they are and glorify God in heaven for them. That is what matters most. So, yeah, that was the explanation of the homily of the passage. Again, like I said earlier, I went to Mass twice that day. Um, that's what I heard the first time around. So I went to Mass the second, second time. Uh, I was working as a lector. So I, forgot, I read the second reading. I forgot exactly what the passage was. But I was sitting listening to the gospel, listening to the homily again from Father, and, or Father Joseph Paul, that is. I'd like to give my credit, credits to Father. Listening to him speak and... I was just sitting there kind of internalizing it again just a bit. I'm like, all right, I already heard this, you know. He gave pretty much the same homily. I'm like, okay, okay. But then it clicked. I was like, oh, wait. This is, this is what it should be. This is the name of the podcast. Salt, light, in the city. Because it's everything that we aim to do here at SLC, literally. Everything that we aim to do. Right? I say that our mission is to refocus our attention on what matters most, which is the direction of our soul. Right? And in order to do that, we need to bring out the virtues that we need to grow. And we need to preserve the worldly desires and sins so in that way our souls are properly oriented to God in true love, in right love. Not only that, but this podcast is meant to be light for you guys, meant to be that city for you guys, to give you guys hope, to let you know, especially that you are not alone. If anything, not that we are that city and not that the ministry of SLC is that city, but that that's where we're going to. Ultimately, we're going to the heavenly Jerusalem, the, the ultimate paradise, right? And we're just pilgrims here, but we're trying to get you guys and ourselves as well to reorient and to make sure we're properly oriented to that city that is on the mountain. Because in, in ways, Jesus says here that we're called to be light. We're called to be salt. So in that same way, we're representative of that. You know, we're reflective of that. And I think that's just such a beautiful thing. Like you're called to be light. Light is such a beautiful thing. Right. There's so many people that have done studies about um, or just like social experiments about being in the dark, how long a human can last in the dark or whatever. And you you see some of them, they just go crazy. Right. Like, how long does it take to be in the dark until you go insane? And you go insane if you're stuck in the dark, you go insane if you're stuck in the dark. But in the light, I mean. Where there is light, there is also meant to be shadows, right? And the reason I say that's a good thing, because it allows for rest, it allows for sleep. Not only that, I mean, you can just close your eyes, and that'll, that'll do more than enough darkness for you, right? But if you're in the dark with no light, then you can't see. You can't see properly. You can't even see what's in front of you. But if you have something to focus on, Right? Even if you don't know what's in front of you, that's okay. Because step by step, you can at least feel your way. But without that city at the top of the mountain, if you're not going to that city, and you're just going step by step, 
in the dark, then you have no direction. You, you go literally nowhere because you don't know where you're going. Moving on. Why I picked St. Paul. I'll keep this one a bit quicker because uh, I think this one, I've, I've explained this quite a bit, especially on the Instagram and uh, a bit in previous episodes maybe, but we picked St. Paul. I, sorry, I picked St. Paul because one, he was my confirmation saint. And the reason that is, is a very, is basically the same reasons he's the patron of this podcast and this ministry is because two things. First is that he was a writer. He was a writer. And I love to say that God gave me a hardworking mind, an incredibly open heart and amazing handwriting. If I'm not writing, it's against his will. <laughs> and I also like to say that if I could communicate one way for the rest of my life, give me a pen and, a, and give me a pen and paper. That's all I need. And so for that reason, you know, I, I picked him for confirmation and it was it was pretty it was made pretty obvious. Like a lot of my writing when I do write is it's based off of Paul. It's based off of what he says, the way he talks, the ideas that he even has like a lot. I really abide closely to Paul. Not only that, but in character, he's kind of the same. So my two confirmation saints is Paul, obviously. But the other one was Peter. He was Peter was the other one that I was kind of in. I was like, okay, Paul or Peter, Paul or Peter, or St. Ignatius. But don't worry about that. <laughs> but Peter, because I didn't really have a Pauline conversion, right? Like, I was always raised Catholic and always really curious about the faith and around fifth grade I was like again like oh, Lord show me what true suffering is be careful with that um but I didn't really have a Pauline like conversion it was a lot of just like Peter like conversions where it's like realization 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 having um like a very big passion like Lord that's not going to happen I'm not going to do that and Jesus being like you're wrong get behind me say and I'm like dang, you right, <laughs> but Paul's energy, it's Paul's energy, Paul's passion that he has, his perseverance, he was in, he was in prison, that didn't stop him from evangelizing, right, and in many ways, especially on the spiritual level, these are things that I'll talk about later on in the podcast as I get more comfortable with this, but certainly spiritually, there's times I feel like I'm in that spiritual prison, where it's just me, um, and not that someone's imprisoned me, but just because I'm lonely. Like, I feel really lonely in that, in that realm, really, a lot of the time. But no matter, like, I still got to evangelize. I remember having this one um, consideration, I think his Father Josh Johnson calls them, of it was me in a cave alone, and I was writing. But from that, it sort of stemmed like a family tree to all these other people, all these other families of that letter, those letters, those writings getting to them and them, you know, finding God through them and going back to Christ. That, I always thought that was a beautiful thing. And that really, really resonates with me. And St. Paul, obviously, he's known for carrying two things, his, his book for writing and the sword, the sword, and some things that I've gotten in my prayer is that I, I too am a warrior for Christ. We all are, we all are warriors for Christ. And I have to be honest, like I'm, I'm. There's times where I'm scared of doing this, man. 
of doing this podcast. And it's not because I'm scared of people coming at me, right? Like, sure, that's a little bit of fears there, but I know how to deal with that. Like, that's fine. That's not a big deal. What I'm more scared of is that I do this and it affects no one, which obviously I know it isn't true, right? But that I do this in vain, basically, because I look at the world and just, I can't help but be like, man, we are, uh, we're, we're in shambles, man. We're, we're in ruins. And that's, I, I could tell, I know this Lent, like the devil's really trying to poke at me. He's really trying to get me to stop because like being in New York, um, I just seeing the people around me, of course, like I said earlier, it's human and it's a beautiful thing. But I see so many people so far gone off the path, even if they're in Christianity. Like there's this one denomination uh, speaker there who was just on the mic in an amp and he was talking in Times Square. And he was like, I was doing drugs. I was smoking weed every day. I was drinking, going to clubs, doing all of that. But I didn't find any fulfillment until I found the blood and uh, the blood and body of Jesus Christ. And I'm like, yes, yes, let's, let's go. I was about to talk to him. I like go up to him like, man, bless God bless you for that. But and then he said, God doesn't want your religion either. Satan created religion. God doesn't want your Catholic. God doesn't want your Catholicism. He doesn't want your atheism or whatever. Mary can't save you. The saints won't save you. And I was like, man, you are so close. You're so close. Because in response to that, I mean, as a Catholic, he's right. Mary won't save us. We don't rely on Mary or the saints to save us. But we can certainly rely on their intercession because if we can't get to Jesus, what's the next best way? Probably Jesus' best friends or better yet, his own mother. I don't know. That just seems like easy reason to me. But again, not everyone abides to that. And that's fine. That's fine, right? But it really upset me because he was talking about something that he didn't know enough about. And I was like, man, you're so close. But it's not just with that, you know, my personal life as well, my relationship um, here at school, you know, with soccer. It was just everything that I'm doing. It's like, man, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And that's where this verse comes back into play. It's just not because I like even whether I wanted to or not. God has given this to me. And he wants me to use it. The way that I see it is that God has given me a blade of light to slash through the darkness. But it won't do its job if I don't wield it. And I want to impose that same message onto you guys. God has given each of you a blade of light in some form, whatever it may be. That the world needs, look at the world. It needs that light. It needs that love. But it won't. It won't work if you don't wield it. And that's what I pray to St. Paul so fervently about because in his time, that's something that he recognized as well. How lost and how so far gone people were. Right? My favorite verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. Verses 8 to 10. Three times I begged the Lord about this, that this might leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. In some 
translations, it says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Continuing, I'll rather boast more gladly, more gladly of my weakness in order that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and constraints for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He writes that to, obviously, the people in the city of Corinth. And at the time, being called a Corinthian was actually, and it still is, an insult. Because the people living in Corinth were living very sinful lives. It was a very sinful city. And yet, yet, how much does that say that my favorite verse that I include in the prayer to St. Paul comes from his letter to them? Of course, for the end part that says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And I lived by that. I live by that. And that applies to all of us because we rely on a strength greater than our own. We rely on the strength of Jesus Christ, his Father, his Holy Spirit. Because his grace is sufficient for us and our own merit is simply not enough. And uh, that'll be it for this little bonus episode that is maybe not so little. Um, I think every every four or five episodes we're going to do a little bonus like this where we can deep dive into scripture Um you know, please certainly let me know. Like, is this something that you guys would want to see more of? And do you like this format of where it's just me? <laughs> do you like how, you know, this was done, basically? Because I, I would love to do this with you guys. I really think that scripture is so important, right? Like, if we look at our Protestant brothers and sisters, which if any of y'all are listening, like, God bless you guys. Because you guys really study with scripture. I really admire that about you guys. Secondly, is that I, I mentioned... My girlfriend, Alora, earlier on, and I ask that you guys pray for her because she is about to be baptized. This Easter vigil, she's going to be fully initiated into the church, um, and we'll send out a bit more information as to how that goes. If you want to celebrate with us, you are certainly free to, um, and we'll give you the information on that as it comes out, but for what it is right now, like, just keep praying for her, for all the elect, all the catechumens this, that are going to be initiated into the church this year. And when you when you guys meet Laura, you will know the sort of joy, the sort of strength, the sort of love that she has, and why God chose her, you know? Just thank, thank the Lord, and thank you to Allie for, for choosing God back. Seriously, it's a beautiful thing, and I tell this to everyone that it's like watching a saint story being written in front of my eyes, and being able to witness that is just—it's just such a gift, such a gift. So, thank you guys for for tuning in and for listening. Um, you know, we're praying for you guys, everyone who listens. And again, I'd like to apologize that this came out kind of late. Um, if anything, is that you get better audio quality, and there's nothing really to impede the. Uh, the audio and yeah i'm able to think this out a bit thoroughly and work it so yeah i mean overall thank you guys for thank you guys for tuning in we love you and we'll see you this saturday which peels right off of this bonus episode and you'll see why <laughs>